The Formal Couple From Sketches of Young Couples This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ashley Jane Charles Dickens's Two Hundredth Anniversary Collection, Volume 3 The Formal Couple by Charles Dickens the formal couple are the most prim, cold, immovable, and unsatisfactory people on the face of the earth. Their faces, voices, dress, house, furniture, walk, and manner are all the essence of formality. Unrelieved by one redeeming touch of frankness, heartiness, or nature, everything with the formal couple resolves itself into a matter of form. They don't call upon you on your account, but their own. Not to see how you are, but to show how they are. It is not a ceremony to do honour to you, but to themselves, not due to your position, but to theirs. If one of a friend's children die, the formal couple are as sure and punctual in sending to the house as the undertaker. If a friend's family be increased, the monthly nurse is not more attentive than they. The formal couple, in fact, joyfully seize all occasions of testifying their good breeding and precise observance of the little usages of society. And for you, who are the means to this end, they care as much as a man does for the tailor who has enabled him to cut a figure, or a woman for the milliner who has assisted her to a conquest. Having an extensive connection among that kind of people who make acquaintances and eschew friends, the formal gentleman attends from time to time a great many funerals, to which he is formally invited, and to which he formally goes as returning a call for the last time. Here his deportment is of the most faultless description. He knows the exact pitch of voice it is proper to assume, the sombre look he ought to wear, the melancholy tread which should be his gait for the day. He is perfectly acquainted with all the dreary courtesies to be observed in a mourning coach, knows when to sigh and when to hide his nose in the white handkerchief, and looks into the grave and shakes his head when the ceremony is concluded with the sad formality of a mute. "'What kind of funeral was it?' says the formal lady when he returns home. "'Oh!' replies the formal gentleman. "'There never was such a gross and disgusting impropriety.' There were no feathers. No feathers? cries the lady, as if on wings of black feathers dead people fly to heaven, and lacking them they must of necessity go elsewhere. Her husband shakes his head and further adds that they had seed cake instead of plum cake, and that it was all white wine. All white wine? exclaims his wife. Nothing but sherry and Madeira, says the husband. What? No port? Not a drop. No port, no plums, and no feathers. You'll recollect, my dear, says the formal lady in a voice of stately reproof, that when we first met this poor man who was now dead and gone, and he took that very strange course for dressing me at dinner without being previously introduced, I ventured to express my opinion that the family were quite ignorant of etiquette and very imperfectly acquainted with the decencies of life. You have now had a good opportunity of judging for yourself, and all I have to say is that I trust you will never go to a funeral there again. My dear, replies the formal gentleman, 
I never will. So the informal deceased is cut in his grave, and the formal couple, when they tell the story of the funeral, shake their heads and wonder what some people's feelings are made of, and what their notions of propriety can be. If the formal couple have a family, which they sometimes have, they are not children, but little, pale, sour, sharp-nosed men and women, and so exquisitely brought up that they might be very old dwarfs for anything that appeareth to the contrary. Indeed, they are so acquainted with forms and conventionalities, and conduct themselves with such strict decorum that to see the little girl break a looking-glass in some wild outbreak, or the little boy kick his parents, would be to any visitor an unspeakable relief and consolation. The formal couple are always sticklers for what is rigidly proper, and have a great readiness in detecting hidden impropriety of speech or thought, which by less scrupulous people would be wholly unexpected. Thus, if they pay a visit to the theatre, they sit all night in a perfect agony lest anything improper or immoral should proceed from the stage. And if anything should happen to be said, which admits of a double construction, they never fail to take it up directly, and to express by their looks the great outrage which their feelings have sustained. Perhaps this is their chief reason for absenting themselves almost entirely from places of public amusement. They go sometimes to the exhibition of the Royal Academy, but that is often more shocking than the stage itself, and the formal lady thinks that it is really high time Mr. Etty was prosecuted and made a public example of. We made one at a christening party not long since, where there were amongst the guests a formal couple who suffered the acutest torture from certain jokes, incidental to such an occasion, cut, and very likely dried also, by one of the godfathers. A red-faced elderly gentleman, who was being highly popular with the rest of the company, had it all his own way, and was in great spirits. It was at supper-time that this gentleman came out in full force. We, being of a grave and quiet demeanour, had been chosen to escort the formal lady downstairs, and sitting beside her had a favourable opportunity of observing her emotions. We have a shrewd suspicion that in the very beginning, and in the very first blush, literally the first blush of the matter, the formal lady had not felt quite certain whether the being present at such a ceremony, and encouraging it as it were, the public exhibition of a baby, was not an act involving some degree of indelicacy, and impropriety. But certain we are that when the baby's health was drunk and allusions were made, by a grey-headed gentleman proposing it, to the time when he had dandled it in his arms, and the young Christian's mother, Certain we are that then the formal lady took the alarm, and recoiled from the old gentleman as from a hoary prolificate. Still she bore it. She fanned herself with an indignant air, but still she bore it. A comic song was sung, involving a confession from some imaginary gentleman that he had kissed a female, and yet the formal lady bore it. But when at last the health of the godfather, before mentioned being drunk, the godfather rose to return thanks, and in the course of his observations darkly hinted at babies yet unborn, and even contemplated the possibility of the subject of that festival having brothers and sisters the formal lady could endure no more. But bowing slightly round, and sweeping haughtily past the offender, left the room in tears under the protection of the formal gentleman. 
End of the Formal Couple Recording by Ashley Jane